mercy. We thank you for the honor and the privilege of being able to assemble today in your house to worship you and bless you and praise you. We thank you for your holy written word that brings encouragement to us. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 91. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can raise your hand real high and our ushers will get you one. But uh, Psalm 91, you can turn there. We'll be reading from there in just a few minutes. But today, being the 10th anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks on the United States, it seemed good to take this service and remember that day. Most of us can remember what we were doing when the news began to break. I recall telling my wife Diane about 7.30 a.m. Central Time, I said, there doesn't seem to be much going on in the news these days. And shortly thereafter, she hollered up the stairs and she said, turn on the TV. And at 7.46 a.m. Central Time, a plane hit the North Tower of the World Trade Center. As smoke billowed out of the top of the building, the news anchors were trying to figure out what exactly happened thinking it must have been an accident and that it must have been a small plane. Of course, it was Flight 11, a large commercial airliner with a crew and passengers. At 8.03 a.m. Central Time, Flight 175, another large commercial jet with crew and passengers, hit the South Tower of the World Trade Center, and it was clear that America was under attack. I watched television and saw brave and courageous firefighters. Thank God for them as they arrived on the scene of the stricken World Trade Towers and began to rescue as many people as they possibly could, going into what looked like a very hopeless situation, yet in their bravery and courage, they did what they had to do and they went in to save as many lives as they could. I remember watching the television in complete shock as people began jumping to their death from the blown out fire and smoke filled windows of the tall skyscrapers. By this time, it was known that several commercial jets had been hijacked and were being used as guided missiles against us. Not just against those in New York, but against all of us. And that's the thing you need to remember. Because we sit here in St. Louis and we think that it was an attack on New York. But let me tell you, it was an attack on St. Louis. It was an attack on Chicago. It was an attack on Albuquerque. It was an attack on Phoenix. It was an attack on Tucson. It was an attack on Los Angeles, on San Diego, on Seattle. It was an attack on all of us. It was an attack on you. It was an attack on me. They were not, those terrorists were not just trying to kill New Yorkers. They were trying to kill you and they were trying to kill me. They were cr- trying to kill my wife. They They were trying to kill all of us because any of us could have been on any one of those planes or in any one of those places. Any one of us could have been there. So let's don't ever forget that they were trying to kill you and they were trying to kill me and they were trying to kill our children. You need to understand that and don't ever, ever, ever forget that. 
We had the luxury of watching it on television, but we could have been there. And when I say luxury, I don't mean that in a good way, but you understand what I'm saying. We could have been there. At 8.30 a.m. Central Time, hijacked Flight 77, a third commercial jet with crew and passengers crashes into the Pentagon. As time passed, the White House, Capitol Building, and many other buildings in the United States were evacuated. All aircraft in the United States airspace were grounded, which was an unprecedented event. And miraculous in that they were able to do that without any casualties. At 8.59 a.m. Central Time, the South Tower of the World Trade Center collapsed. Now I remember with my eyes fixed on the television, just shaking my head, not hardly being able to believe that. But yet there it went. President Bush was informed of the impending situation while visiting an elementary school in Florida. He made the extremely difficult decision for U.S. military to shoot down any commercial aircraft that would not properly respond to instructions. At 9.10 a.m. Central Time, hijacked Flight 93 with crew and passengers, crashes in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. President Bush was concerned that it was his order that brought this aircraft down. As we found out later, it was not the president's order, but rather a group of of heroes aboard Flight 93 who realized from cell phone conversation with loved ones on the ground that their plane was hijacked and headed to murder more innocent citizens. They stormed the cockpit and stopped these hijackers from finishing their evil scheme. We later found out that this plane was most likely headed for the Capitol building or the White House. Then at 9.28 a.m. Central Time, when we thought things couldn't get any worse, the North Tower of the World Trade Center collapsed. And what started out as a bright, beautiful, clear September day, much like this one, ended as one of the darkest days in American history. In the process of time, it came to light that a group of crazed, demon-controlled terrorists known as Al-Qaeda and their demon-controlled leader, Osama bin Laden, were responsible for the attacks. Thank God Osama bin Laden has been brought to justice, which happened just a few months ago. And when I say thank God, I don't mean thank Allah. I mean thank the God of this Bible, who is known as Jehovah, Yahweh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Don't ever forget that Allah is not the same as the God of this Bible. And I could stand here for an hour or two and prove to you and show you that Allah and the God of this Bible are not the same. I also remember some other things that happened after the 9-11 attacks. Ten years ago to this day, I remember some other things that happened. 
I remember citizens of the United States uniting together. The Democrats and Republicans were standing on the steps of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., singing God Bless America. Yet, just 10 years later, politicians in this nation are more divided than ever. I remember this church was almost completely full the Wednesday evening after 9-11. You must remember that 9-11, 10 years ago, was on a Tuesday. And that following Wednesday evening, this building was almost completely full with people I had never seen before. And that's good. And I remember... A couple of days later, I was interviewed by a local Christian radio station. And the DJ asked me, live on the air in the the morning. They called me and were interviewing me on, on radio. And he asked me if my midweek attendance was up after the 9 11 attacks. And I said yes. But told him I just hoped it stayed that way and that people would not forget about God as we move away from the events of that dreadful day. After about two weeks, the midweek attendance was back to its usual size. I learned more clearly then than ever before what Jesus said in Luke, the 16th chapter, that if people will not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead are though planes are crashed into tall skyscrapers. And I remember under the unction of the Holy Ghost that night, it was a bold thing to say, but the Holy Ghost wanted me to say it. I remember the Spirit of God coming on me, and, and I said it, and, and, and it probably didn't set well with some people, but it's true, and we all need to remember this. And I said this on that Wednesday night, 9-12-2001. I said, I'd be here tonight serving God, whether they crashed planes into the World Trade Center or not. Did you hear me? And I tell you what, it shouldn't take some tragedy to get us to serve God. It shouldn't take some horrible event to get us to serve God. That man in Luke 16, he lived his life, he died, he went to hell. After he went to hell, then he wanted to serve God. It's too late then. Now is the day of salvation. Today is the accepted time. And I tell you what, he said that, that man in hell said, send Lazarus back to my, back, back, send him back. I have five brothers. Let him go back and testify to them, lest they also uh, come to this place of torment. And remember what Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. If they'll not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. And I remember what that man in hell said. Yeah, but if if one goes back from the dead, they'll be persuaded. No, he said, if they'll not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they begin to serve God, even though one rises from the dead. And you know, that is the truth. And I found that to be true about people over all these many years. You're either going to serve God or you're 
not. And they might crash planes in and that might get you to serve God for a day or two, but that won't keep you for the long haul. You need to fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ apart from anything else and serve him the rest of your life. Amen. Praise God. I remember on 9-12, 10 years ago, I remember on the day after that tragic day and the day shortly thereafter, I remember hearing on television, watching it and hearing it, some quote, unquote, and I use, I'll say that again, quote, unquote, leading prophets, so-called prophets in this nation. Prophet, someone that foretells the future. I heard him on television on 9, 12 in the days thereafter. Prophesying all sorts of things. Concerning what happened the day before and, and setting, you know, this is going to happen after so many months and after so many months this is going to happen. And I've watched all of which they prophesied. None of it came to pass. Just because somebody's on television and says they're a prophet doesn't make them one. I like looking at somebody's track record and how accurate they are. Don't give me a 9-12 prophet. I'm not interested in a 9-12 prophet. Give me a 9-10 prophet. Did you get what I just said? Give me a prophet that can prophesy by the Spirit of God accurately before something happens, not after. It doesn't take any anointing to prophesy after something happens, but you need the Spirit of God flowing through you to, uh, you know, to prophesy something before the fact. Don't give me a 9-12 prophet. Give me a 9-10 prophet. Give me a prophet that can hear from the Spirit of God and prophesy something ahead of time. Give me a prophet that can see things by the Spirit of God 50 years. Listen to this, 50 years before they happen. 50 years? How many of you know there's prophecies in the Bible that, that, that God gave prophets thousands of years ago that still haven't come to pass? But they're in the Bible for us to read and they haven't come to pass yet. But how many of you know they are? Going to. Amen? Now I've seen real prophets of God. How many of you know there are real prophets of God today? The Bible says. The Bible says that God has set some in the church. First apostles, secondarily prophets. How many remember that? Reading that in the Bible. Amen? There's what's known as the fivefold ministry. You can find that in the book of Ephesians of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. See, there's New Testament prophets. You can see in the book of Acts there was a New Testament prophet, you know. His name, his name was Agabus. How many remembers him? And he prophesied concerning a famine, I believe it was. Did you hear me? So there are New Testament prophets and, and, and I believe, I believe in that completely. And wholeheartedly. I remember Brother Hagin. How many has ever heard of him? He prophesied about the 9-11 attacks back in 1950. It's documented in his book that had been out, been out for years. I believe in visions. He saw that 50, actually 51 years before it happened. And, and I won't get into all of it. 
because we don't accolade men around here. We accolade the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen? But, but he saw, and I say very little about this, but you go see, you can see it. 51 years ahead of time. He saw a city that had been ravaged and the buildings, exact word, the buildings were as burned out hulls. Don't give me a 912 prophet. I'm not interested in them. Give me a 910 prophet. Give me one that can see things by the Spirit of God 50 years ahead of time. Sure, people made fun of Brother Hagin as the years went by. and Well, you prophesied that and it never come to pass, never come to pass, never come to pass. 51 years and it comes to pass. He saw that. And the interesting thing about that is he went on and prophesied and said that that wouldn't be the only such city. Are there more attacks to come? Most probably. As most of you know, there was a credible threat, terrorist threat for New York and Washington for today. How many is aware of that? Just because Osama bin Laden has been brought to justice. And I'm proud of our Navy SEALs, by the way, as they went in there and took that madman out. Somebody say praise God. But just because he's been taken out doesn't mean that those terrorists are not still out there. And it does not mean that they don't want to still kill us and do us harm. Because they are still out there. And they do want to kill us. They want to kill you. They want to kill your children. And they want to do us harm. Are there more attacks to come at some future time? I believe there are. That's why I had you turn to Psalm 91. And that's why I want to read these 16 verses with you right now. And I want you to be encouraged by these. And I want all of us to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Notice in verse 1, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now let me tell you before we read the next verses, you need to get this. For the next verses... For the next verses to apply to you or to me, we have to do verse 1. We have to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. That word dwell means a continual habitation. We need to continually dwell in the secret place of the Most High. We need to get into His Word of God and daily spend time in His Word of God, in His Word, in the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. We need to spend time alone with God and we need to walk right before Him. Can you say amen? amen. And get in that secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. How many of you is trusting in God today? I know I am. Surely. Real loud, say surely. surely. One more time, surely. surely. Yeah, when it says surely, that means there's no doubt about it. Surely, He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall, didn't say he might, says he shall cover you with his feathers or, or his, his hands, if you will. He'll cover you with his hands and under his wings or under his arms, you shall take refuge. His truth, that's the word of God, shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not, 
shall not, shall not be what? Shall not be what? Shall not be afraid of the what? Of the terror. You see, the, the terrorists want us to be afraid. They want us to change our lifestyle. I tell you what, I'm so proud of what I see going on in New York City. They have not let the terrorists win. We haven't let them win. Praise God. We go right on with our life. Can anybody say amen? amen. Praise God. And the Bible says if we'll dwell in the secret place of the Most High, we don't have to be afraid of the terror, of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Say, it shall not come near me. Notice the Bible says, only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. See, that's why we can claim all these wonderful promises. Because we've made the Lord our dwelling place. We honor the house of God. We come to the house of God. But we don't just honor Him on Sunday. We honor Him on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, you see. And we dwell with Him. We walk with Him, you see. And because we do, then we can claim these wonderful promises. Notice verse 10. No evil. Did it say no evil? It it didn't say some evil. It said what? It said no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they'll bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. How many of you are glad for the angels of God? The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that we need to be aware of the angels of God. Each of us have been assigned at least one, maybe more, guardian angels. And let me tell you something about the angels. They're not fat little babies with wings. They're awesome, mighty, powerful beings. And and they were created by God and they're there to minister on our behalf. They're there to protect us. They're there to keep us. They're there to watch over us. They're there to keep your children. They're there to watch over your children. Be sure you understand some things about the angels of God. Be sure to declare the word of God. The Bible says the angels hearken to the word of God. Be sure to declare the word of God over your life. Be sure to declare the word of God over your wife's life. Be sure to declare the word of God over your husband's life. Declare the word of God over yourself. Declare whatever you do. Declare the word of God over your children's lives. And and the Bible says the angels hearken. Hearken to the word of God. Declare the word of God over your children's lives. And the angels of God will be there to protect them in that hour of danger. Can you say praise God? These are real beings. Angels of God. Mighty beings. Not fat little babies with wings. But they're mighty beings. Did you know some angels have wings? Some don't. But nonetheless, thank God for the angels. And we need to understand some things about them. And they'll keep us in all our ways. 
In their hands they'll bear us up, lest we even dash our foot against a stone. God wants us so protected that we don't even ever stub our toe. Isn't that a wonderful God? Verse 13, you'll tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. What's that talking about? That's talking about demon power. How many of you are glad that as we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, we have power and protection over demon activity? Amen? We have power and protection and authority over the devil and all demons. Praise God forevermore. I'm so glad about that. How about you? How many is glad we don't have to be afraid of the devil? How many of you know there is a devil, but Jesus defeated him when he died on the cross and raised from the dead? Amen. And Jesus came out of that tomb and he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. And then he says, take my name and go and run the devil out. Amen. Glory to God. Praise God forevermore. I'm not afraid of the devil. How about you? You know why I'm not afraid of him? Because I'm in Christ. Now, if I wasn't in Christ, I'm going to be running behind my wife and hiding because I'm afraid of him in and of myself. But I'm not in and of myself. I'm in Christ. Amen? Amen. And so we can stand against the wiles of the devil. Praise God. And we can submit ourselves to God. The Bible says, resist the devil. And the Bible says he'll flee from us and run off away from us as in stark raving terror. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? But we have to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And when we do, we'll be able to tread upon the lion, upon the cobra, upon the young lion, upon the serpent. We'll trample under feet. Where does the Bible say the devil is? He's under our feet. Amen? Doesn't the Bible tell us that when Jesus was raised from the dead, we who believe in Jesus got raised with him. Glory to God. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And the Bible says he put all of those demon powers under our feet. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Say, the devil is under my feet. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And you need to remind him of that every now and again when he comes and and starts shooting those fiery darts into your brain and into your mind and telling you how how he's going to defeat you and how he's going to triumph over you. You need to remind him where he has been positioned by the Lord Jesus Christ under our feet and tell him, in the name of Jesus, get back under my feet. And he'll do it too. Do you know the devil will come at times through those thoughts and remind you of your past and tell you what a crumb you were? And You know what you do when he starts reminding you of your past? You get the Bible out and start reading to him and remind him of his future, which is going to be a hot one in the lake of fire. And when you do that, he'll leave you alone. Resist him with the word of God and the name of Jesus and he'll flee from you. Notice verse 14, because he set his love on me. How many of you love God today? You set your love on God, therefore I'll deliver him. I'll set him on high, talking about you and me, if we'll love the Lord and dwell in the secret place. He'll deliver us. He'll set us on high because we've known his name. He'll call on me, talking about you and me. We'll call on God and he'll answer. Isn't that wonderful? And I will be with him in trouble. Does the Bible say God will keep us out of all trouble? No, but the Bible says even in the midst of trouble, he'll be what? He'll be right there with us. To protect us and help us. And I'll deliver him and honor him.
with long life. Say long life. With long life, I'll satisfy him and show him what? My salvation. How many of you are excited about the 91st Psalm? Glory to God. We need to dwell in the secret place of the Most High and claim that and walk in that. Because I'm telling you, it's not going to get any better out there. We're living in the last days. You understand that. It's no longer a day, and I've told you this for the last many years, that we came up on a time, I told you this right before 9-11, that was coming up on a time where it was no more time to play church, that the things that we learned about the Word of God and faith, that we were going to have to live them, and it was a life and death proposition, and it's, and it's the God's honest truth. We need to understand some things about the Word of God. We need to understand some things about the name of Jesus. We need to understand some things about our authority that we have in Christ. We need to understand about the secret place and how to get in that secret place and how to dwell in there. Because it's not going to get any better out there. Thank God we've got God. Amen? We need to learn how to believe. We, we need to, I mean, as it pertains to provision. We need to, I told you this years ago. We were coming up on a time. And we're, we're in it now, where you're going to need to be able to believe God for finances and provision. And that's right where we're at. And we're going to need to get stronger in believing God and trusting Him. He's our portion, amen? amen. How many of you know He's faithful? How many of you know as we walk with Him and believe Him and trust in Him, that He'll provide for us and He'll never let us down, Amen. amen. The Lord told me, spoke to my heart right before that big crash came in. What was it? 2008. He said that that we were going to be like Elijah by the brook. Amen. Remember what happened to Elijah by the brook? There was a famine in the land, but God provided for him. Amen. Is that right? And I thank God this ministry has been wonderfully provided for. Isn't Jesus wonderful? September 11th, 2001, 10 years ago to this day, is a day that will live in infamy. We should accolade the flight attendants aboard the hijacked airliners who acted calmly as they relayed information to the ground. We should accolade the brave first responders, the firefighters and police and other first responders who courageously gave their lives trying to rescue those who were trapped in the fire-filled buildings of the Twin Towers and the Pentagon. We should accolade the brave passengers who overthrew the terrorist hijackers and kept Flight 93 from slamming into the Capitol building or the White House and killing more people. We should accolade the air traffic controllers who acted amazingly when they had one of the most perilous situations in American history thrown in their laps, doing what they did as they listened to the voices of the crazed hijackers. On 9-11-2001, nearly 3,000 people in this nation lost their lives. It is those people and their families we should remember on this day. We should remember the children, the widows, widowers, and other relatives and loved ones of those who lost their lives on 9-11, 2001. 
We should remember the cell phone calls that the passengers on the doomed airliners made to their loved ones to send their love and to say their last goodbyes. We should most especially remember and thank our military and others who have served so bravely to keep us safe these past 10 years. Listen to me, dear friends. Today, in my opinion, in my belief, today is not a day of celebration. It is a day that we accolade these people and that I just mentioned, but it's not a day of celebration as on the 4th of July. Did you hear what I just said? I said this day is not a day of celebration as on the 4th of July. Yes, we can be thankful that New York has rebounded and, 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 and all of that, yes, but this is not a day of celebration as the 4th of July. The Spirit of God just has me. I said today is not a day of celebration as on the 4th of July, but rather a day of remembrance. It's a day of mourning. And it's a day of prayer for this nation. Let us stand. I don't need the altar workers to come right this moment. I don't need any background music. Let's just all stand and just take the hand of the person that's nearby you there. If somebody's near, you know, just grab the hand of the person next to you. And let us, in in an attitude of remembrance, in an attitude of mourning and prayer, pray for this nation. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. And we come before you now in an attitude of reverence, in an attitude of prayer, an attitude of respect. And sir, we, first of all, we pray for those who are in authority, governmental authority over us, as you directed us in your word to pray for those who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life. So we pray for those who are in governmental authority in any capacity from the highest to the what would be thought of as the lowest. And what we pray for them is that your hand of protection would certainly rest upon them, but we ask that you would give them wisdom and insight as to how to best protect this nation from a further attack by terrorists, that they'd be sensitive, that they'd be inclined to, 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 to listen to what it is the Spirit of God is saying. And we know that if people will listen to you, that even as you, as we see it in the Old Testament, as you gave Elisha, the the prophet there, uh, uh, the enemy's plans and confounded the enemy. And and, and the prophet would give the words to the the king and the enemy's plans would be thwarted. Lord, we ask that you would give a, 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 a sensitivity to those in leadership, in capacities of civil and political and 
military authority, the police, that they'd be sensitive and that they'd be able to to pick up that there's an attack or there's something not right and that they'd be able to move to protect us. We pray, O God, for the families of those who lost loved ones on 9-11-2001, 10 years ago. We ask that you would give them strength, that you would strengthen them in their inner man, their spirit being, and that you would give them peace and help them to endure We ask that you would do that in the name of the Lord Jesus. As our hearts, our thoughts, and our prayers are with those who lost loved ones in that terrible day 10 years ago. Again, dear Father, strengthen them. Bring encouragement to them. Help them, lead them, guide them. And protect them. And Heavenly Father, we ask that I just ask that, 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 that Christians in this land in the days ahead that there'd be an urgency that you'd drop into our hearts yes we know that we're living in the last days but I think it's so easy dear God for all of us to become lax and lethargic but in this in this nation I do believe that there's a remnant of Christians that they want church life to not be a social club but they want it to be a house of prayer you said Lord Jesus that your father's house would be called a house of prayer. And that the churches in this land that would, that, oh God, that they'd again become not entertainment centers, but they'd again become houses of prayer and reverence. And that the power of God could come back and flow. And that, and that, and that there could be a revival in this land and that sinners could well, first of all, that Christians who have become lethargic would get back on fire. That pulpits, he keeps leading me back to the pulpits, that the pulpits would again be flames of fire, which is the secret to the greatness of this nation. That pulpits would be on fire with the teaching and the preaching of the word of God. And that the spirit of God would be able to flow. And that the men and women of God would speak and their tongues would be as the pens of of ready writers. And they'd declare the oracles of God. And they'd not teach and preach things that the people want to hear to tickle their ears. But that they'd thunder the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ across the pulpits of this great nation. And that this nation which was great, but is not great now, it can be great again. And it can be great again. It can be great again. And somebody said, Pastor Terry, you just said this nation isn't great now. You can't kill as many babies as we kill and call it a great nation. 
You, you, you can't do that. You can't acknowledge homosexuality and call it a great nation. No, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. But we could stop killing babies. We could stop favoring homosexuality. We could again be a nation of prayer and a nation of righteousness. But I'm here today to tell you the answer doesn't sit in the White House. And I'm here today to tell you the answer is not in the next president that gets elected. I'm here today to tell you that the answer is in the pulpits of America. And I pray for the pulpits of America that the fire of God, that the power of God would come back behind the holy desk. Oh, the answer's not in the bully pulpit. No, no, no. The answer is behind the holy desk. The podium where the minister declares the word of God. And I'm not talking about on television. Most of that's a mess. I'm talking about in the pulpits of the local churches in this nation that they would get in the pulpit and declare and thunder the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ unapologetically. And as that word is thundered forth again, that the lives of the people would begin to change. And as the lives of the Christians begin to change and as Christians get back on fire then they go in and they exercise their right as an American citizen and they pull that lever and they vote not their pocketbook but they vote the word of God and the evil politicians those that won't repent will be removed and a godly sort can come in that will not walk in division but will walk in unity around the word of God and then the nation can be great again hallelujah glory Glory to God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so that is my prayer. That is my declaration for this land and this nation. That it could be great again. And that's what I'm going to believe for. And that's what I'm going to stand for. Hallelujah. 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 Just raise your voice and thank Him. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank You. Oh, we bless You, Lord. We thank You and we bless You and we praise You, O God. Hallelujah. We bless You and we praise You. And we magnify Your holy name forever. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh God, I pray for Christians who have fallen into backbiter, being backbiters and being gossips and being behind the back. Because we're coming up on a time, it's right in line with the word, that which you've... Behind the back, God's going to cause it to be revealed openly. There's no place for gossip in the house of God. There's no place for gossip in the life of the child of God. There's no place for backbiting and, and, and being critical in the life of a Christian. You can't do those things and dwell in the secret place of the Most High. You can't gossip and dwell in the secret place of the Most High. You can't be a backbiter and dwell in the in the secret place of the Most High. You can't be judgmental and dwell in the secret place of the Most High. You can't do it. So choose this day and decide. What do you want for your life? 
Do you want the secret place or do you enjoy the gossip and the... You can't have them both. You can't have the secrets of the devil and gossip and the secret place of the Most High. Decide this day which secret you want. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Do you want the secret place where you're whispering and backbiting and being judgmental? Do you want that? Do you want the secret place of the devil? Do you want the secret place of the devil? That's where Christians now, I'm talking about Christians, that gossip and backbite and whisper and, and tail bear, they dwell in the secret place of the devil. All get out of that secret place and move on up high and come on up in the secret place of the Most High and walk with Him. And dwell with Him. And then that 91st Psalm will be in action for you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh yeah, that's my prayer, oh God. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Let's just raise our voice to Him one more time before we close. Heavenly Father, we bless You. We praise You. We magnify You. We glorify the name of the Lord. We bless the name of the Lord. We bless the name of the Lord Jesus. There's none like Him. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Praise God forevermore. Glory be to the Lord. Glory be to the Lord. Glory be to the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 And I declare the protection of God over this congregation, those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High, and may your hand of protection rest upon them. I charge the angels of God with the Word of God to protect each and every one that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Hearken to the Word of the Lord and protect each and every one lest they even dash their foot against a stone in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you receive that, say amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, with heads bowed and eyes closed. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, don't leave here. Don't leave here today until you've done that. There'll be some men and women standing up here when I close. If you've never made him the Lord of your life, you do it before you leave. Because there's there's a heaven to obtain. And a hell to to miss. So you make Jesus your Lord before you leave here today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, greet a couple of people and you're dismissed.